Alright, we're doing the name series, as you know. And, um, the one I'm doing today is, I'm, it looks like El Che, but it's not. You pronounce it El Kahai. And the Hebrew, there's that rolling, you know, that noise in your throat. I don't make it very well, so. But it means the living God. Thanks for the Hebrew, Professor Floyd. Alright, I have a little bit of name trivia for you people today. Um, one of the reasons I want to talk about how many of you have seen the movie Contact? A few of you. Well, in the movie, um, there's a rich guy whose name is S.R. Haddon. That was actually the name of the king's um, heir apparent, the king Sennacherib. His son was S.R. Haddon. Now, the one thing I want to tell you that was not in the movie, the movie was completely different from the book. The book didn't have them building a machine. The book, um, at the end of the book, um, the whole point of it was that somebody said, if there was a God, it'd be obvious. You know, he'd, he'd hide a message in this, in this string of numbers, and the string of numbers that they sent, the aliens sent, was not um, the prime numbers. It was the series of pi. Pi, which is a non-repeating, non-terminating decimal. So it was an infinite series. But several weeks in, the values of pi plot a perfect circle. So Carl Sagan, when he wrote the book, was talking about um, pretty much his atheism and about why, you know, if God would really exist, he'd leave some infallible evidence. But he left enough doubt in the book because at the end of the book, the sequence of pi painted a perfect circle. Huh. S.R. Haddon was a, the era parent of Sennacherib. I had to look up how to pronounce Sennacherib. I learned it on the internet, so you know it's... Right. And um, look at the, the spelling of the name, E-S-A-R-H-A-D-D-O-N, and they just used the initials, S period, R period, Haddon. So I was amused that um, Carl Sagan used a character, and he probably read it in a, in a book that was written, um, well, I guess in the 60s, um, called The Assyrian, and it was about the struggle for the throne that S.R. Haddon went through to um, get the throne after Sennacherib. We'll talk about it a little bit. All right. At the time, um, biblical time, that these verses were written, almost all the people in the Middle East were idol worshipers. They worshiped, you know, the Egyptians had a god for everything. But in particular, they'd make idols that would be their gods. So in Jeremiah 10.14, on page 543, everyone is senseless and without knowledge. Every goldsmith is shamed by his idols. The images he makes are a fraud. They have no breath in them. So part of the point is that, you know, his name, 
Akahai means living God. Our God is the one, the only one that's alive. Hezekiah, who was the king of Israel, and there's a whole list. And if you read through Kings, First Kings, there's this whole list of this king was evil, did what's wrong inside the Lord, and this king was, you know, did good inside the Lord, but he didn't break down the groves, the Asherah poles. Realized that many people that worshipped idols, part of the um, prevalent idol worshiping religion, they set up poles, big, tall poles, phallic symbols, in the um, in the high places, in the mountains, and people would go and sacrifice there. Many of the kings broke down these poles, which was good because they weren't really God. Hezekiah did that. Many of the kings did good, but they didn't break down the poles and the groves. There's a, there's a list after a list of them are first kings. So Hezekiah prayed to God. Now I'll talk about this. This is, this is after the fact, but I want to tell you this first. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim. Remember on the... Um, Ark of the Covenant, there were two cherubim, right? And this is supposed to, this vessel was God's place. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. Now, one thing I want to tell you, at the time, the Assyrians were tough. They were like the Navy SEALs of the time. They were one of the first warlike nations that used armor. Armor is a really big deal in warfare at the time. And they used, the armor that they used was called lamellar armor. What they did was they had little brass plates about this big, and they were sewn on leather and overlapped. So they turned, they turned arrows, and they turned spears and knives. That was the whole point. They also had iron-tipped spears. Everybody else had bronze. Iron stronger. So the Assyrians were really tough. They also had a unique siege engine. So when they went to towns to invade the town, and the town wouldn't surrender, there was this box-like affair that had a giant battering ram on the front of it. The box-like affair was leather covered with thatch and wood, so arrows wouldn't shoot through it. And they had people that went along with it that had ladles full of water in case the town that they were um, trying to break into shot flaming arrows so they could put them out. What they would do is surround the town, bring up the siege engine, and pound on the walls at the weakest point, usually the gate, and get in. Once they got in, they would take captive nearly everybody in the town, send them back to Assyria, which is northern Iraq today, and kill the king and kill everybody else. They were very cruel warriors, but they were the toughest. One of the reasons that it was such a big deal is because they camped outside of Jerusalem intending to um, invade. Oh, 
Wow. Come on. So when when Sennacherib's high official came to the gates of Jerusalem, he hurled insults. Your God can't save you. Where is the Egyptian God? Didn't save them. Where's the God of this town? Didn't save them. I know Hezekiah told you, and they said in Hebrew, so that everybody on the wall could hear this. I know Hezekiah told you not to answer, but realize that you're going to eat your own feces and drink your own urine. We're going to camp here until that happens. We're just going to destroy your whole town. Well, there are a lot of them. Estimates of, of the siege is about a half a million. And 30 years before, the Assyrians had invaded towns in Samaria. There were Jewish settlements there and just carried away a whole bunch of captives and destroyed a whole bunch of towns. In fact, 30 miles south of Jerusalem was a little town called Lachish, and they did the same thing. They took that battering ram to the gates, they broke in, they killed everyone, hauled off the, some people. It was not a happy thing. If the Assyrians were outside your gates, you weren't happy. All right? So after this insult, King Hezekiah prayed that prayer. Okay? God's response was, in one night, he sent an angel, one angel. Now, I'm sorry, I take offense at the little feminine-looking angel that graces the pages of the 18th century, you know, pictures. Every time in the Bible where an angel confronted humans, the humans were terrified, fell down on the ground, and were afraid. Many times the angel said, oh, we're, just, we're, we're not... We're not God. Don't be afraid. So you've got to believe these are tough angels. But realize God sent one of them. Killed 185,000 soldiers in one night. So a whole bunch of them woke up dead the next morning. Yeah, you know you're in trouble when you wake up dead. And Sennacherib decided to be in his best interest to take his, take his spears and go home. Right? Now, in the Assyrian version, there's a, a stela, which is a plate or a piece of wood with carving on it. Um, Sennacherib said, oh yeah, we surrounded the town. We put a siege on them. We kept... Hezekiah in his town like a bird in a cage. He gave his tribute and went away. Well, all the other cities, he knocked down and killed the king. And of course he's not going to say, you know what? 185,000 of my troops just died one night, so, you know, we left. It's not good to mess with God's city, I'm just saying. Ever heard the phrase, your arms are too short to box with God? It's true. It's true. A couple years later, Sennacherib's in the temple worshiping Nisroch, 
which is also called Dagon. It's the Assyrian god of agriculture. Now, the Bible says two of his sons killed him. Your God can't help you. I'm sorry, Sennacherib, because your God isn't the living God. That was the whole point. And Esar had inherited the kingdom. About 20 years later, Assyria was completely overcome. You know, and there's still, there are still some people today that claim Assyrian heritage. There's a little e-newspaper called Assyrian, Assyrian Times. I'm like, really? Now you have to realize that the time of the empire, it spanned almost all of the Middle East, from northern Iraq to southern um, Israel. And today it's none. All right. And, oh, not a demo, a demon. The um, scholars believe that the god Nisroch was actually a demon. They're not sure, it's just speculation. I put it in parentheses, but I left off the end. Well, I'm not going to give you a demo of Nisroch. Just saying. All right. Al-Kai means living God. We serve a living God. Living, breathing God. Creator, healer, power to the raise the dead. The thing is, is that if you look at other religions, Muhammad is in his tomb. Buddha is in his tomb. You can get directions to see them, and they still have bodies in them. Jesus' tomb is empty. Why? Because he's alive. Right? Oh, come on. <laughs> nice graphics. So, in your lifetime, you'll serve something or someone. Whether it's God, shopping, fabric, I'm just saying, just a subtle hint. Money. Money is not evil. You know, I'm always amused when people misquote that line from the Bible. The love of money is money is the root of all evil. No, the love of money. And actually, if you put anything before God, that's your God. That's what you're doing. You're making a substitution. People that are not saved, spend their entire life looking to fill the hole in their life that only God can fill. You were designed for God. So if you're not a Christian, you're walking around and you're looking for something. What you're looking for is Jesus. And you will serve something. It's human nature. It's the way we are. You know? You want to give your life to the living God. On my desk, I have a little frame plaque. It's about this big. Literally, it's tiny. And it has Matthew 6.33 on it. It's a definition of success. 
and it's the King James Version, so my memory is, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You know it's King James because it said unto. Right? In NRV it's, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What things? Food, shelter, clothing. You know? I hate this clicker. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, just ask him into your life. If you haven't. If you have, just praise him for what he's done, what he's done for you. It's a really big deal. Just remember that the God that we serve is not some stone, cold, dead thing, but it's a living, breathing God. Somebody who answers your prayers directly. Who pays attention to you. You know, none of the other religions have that aspect of a personal, living, breathing God. It's very important. Here's, here's what I'm going to ask us to do as we uh, close out our service. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I, wonder, I want us to pray uh, before we sing this next song. And as we're praying, I want you to think about maybe one or two ways that you have looked at God before and realized that there are other characteristics of God that maybe that you never even thought about. And here's the beautiful thing. If you study it out, if you read through this book and you look through those names that, that, that God is exposed as, every characteristic, God is healer, God is God Almighty, God as uh, the living God, God as um, the one who hears me, every characteristic of God that's revealed is captured in Jesus Christ. He epitomizes and lives out and literally is that fullness of God that we see in everything that we've been talking about. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. God, we pray that going forward, everything that we thought about you or everything that we've been exposed to about you would be renewed by you. That if we only saw you in one light, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us in a new light. We want to know you not just as a God of this or a God of that or a God who does this one thing, but as the God who is able to do everything. God, and we want to realize, open our hearts, our, our, our ears, and our eyes to see and hear and know and realize that everything that we've talked about, every aspect, every capability, everything is captured in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's only through his name that we can get to know you fully, and it's only through his name 
that we can be saved. Amen. Amen.